0: Hey, this is Shane Ballenstein, the pastor at City on a Hill Community Church. I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. I hope that this podcast helps you grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at cityonahillmd.org. Enjoy the message. We're in the the second week today of our series called Out in the Open. And uh, last week, we started off this series by talking about mental health. So all month long, we're talking about what mental health is, what it looks like, how can we be mentally healthy, all the different aspects that, that go into it. And it, this is a, what, we, what we're discovering is this is a necessary conversation that we need to have that you probably already know that it is a necessary and important conversation for us to have, but we aren't always willing to have it. Like this is, this is one of those things that it's very easy for us to kind of, Avoid, and maybe, and not just in the church, maybe in your personal life, maybe, maybe you are struggling with something that you're just kinda pushing off to the side, that you're just pushing, you're just ignoring it, thinking that it'll go away and it'll solve all of your problems. Maybe, maybe you have a family member um, that, that is struggling with mental health and just nobody talks about it. Uh, we just don't wanna acknowledge it, we just don't wanna talk about it, we know there's a problem, but we're just gonna leave it at that and just kinda move on from there and we think that that is better than, than bringing it up. And so this month, we're trying to, to address the stigma surrounding mental health, specifically in the church, but I also want you to do that in your own personal life. And last week, we started off by talking about two myths regarding uh, mental health, and, and the first myth was that Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health, and we know that that actually isn't true. We know that Christians do struggle with mental health and just because you do struggle it doesn't mean that there is something necessarily wrong with you or that that you're not a good enough Christian or any of those sort of things, but rather it's a reality of being a person. And then the second myth was that God doesn't care about your mental health because we know that without a doubt he absolutely does. And so if you missed that you can check it out on YouTube or our podcast and and watch that. But uh, today we're talking about a specific form of mental health. So last week it was kinda of like an overview of some things and now from each week forward, it's going to be a specific area that we are talking about. And today we're talking about depression. Um, something that is, uh, is uh, more and more common in our world today. And I don't know if it's necessarily more common in the lives of people, but it is definitely something that we are now recognizing as an issue. Where maybe, I don't know, 50 years ago, people were just like, hey, just stop being sad. And uh, we know now that that is not the case. Maybe at times, uh, but that's not depression, right? We're talking about actual depression and what that is and, and what that looks like. Nine years ago, there was a, uh, uh, the famous actor and comedian, Robin Williams, who, who many of you know, or I'm sure that most of you know, uh, Robin Williams took his own life nine years ago um, in August, this past August. And so according to, to reports to the public, and even to close friends. Um, Robin Williams appeared to be happy, he appeared to be upbeat, he appeared to be funny. I mean, he's a comedian, maybe one of the greatest comedians um, in recent memory. He appeared to be himself from all reports of people close to him and semi-close to him, and especially for, for people like, like us who were just watching from a distance or watching his, his art and that, that, he would, that he would put up. Um, he appeared to be himself, right? And there are countless stories of Robin Williams being intentional about loving other people. One that always stood out to me was something that he would do with his rider. His rider, in other words like a contract, when you would hire a celebrity or when you hire somebody for a concert, they would give you a rider to the company or the organization that's putting on the show. And, uh, or the movie production company, whatever it may be. And it's basically like a contract, and kind of like a list of demands. If you want to hire me for your services, these are the things that need to be provided for me. And they can get crazy with, with celebrities, right? It can be things like, I need just all green M&Ms or whatever, I don't know, weird stuff, right? Like that's, that's sometimes in certain writers. Robin Williams, what he would require for every single event, Film, movie, TV show, stand-up show, whatever he did, every single event that he was hired to do, he required the company that hired him also to hire a certain amount of homeless people in the production. Like that was what he was intentional on doing, like picking other people up, loving other people, helping other people. I mean, he made people smile for a living. Yet still behind closed doors, we now know that, that Robin Williams was struggling with crippling depression, um, depression that led to him having addiction issues, which eventually led to him um, to the tragic end of his life and, and him deciding to, to take his own life. And, uh, and it's such a tragic thing that we look back on. And Robin Williams isn't the only one, right? Like, I'm sure that you have people in your life that, that you can look to and be like, man, on the outside, it looks like everything is right. It looks like everything is, is good to go. It looks like they, they're happy people. And maybe, you know, they have their bad days, but we all have our bad days. But surely they're not struggling with, with those sort of deep issues like somebody who would take their own life may be struggling with. And person, personally, I, I've never dealt with depression. Um, I'm also not a doctor. I'm not going to act like I know what this is because I don't. Like I, I think that it's a bad thing for us to do, when it's something that you do not personally deal with, to come along and dismiss it, which is easy to do. And I think that that's what the church has often done. It's like, okay, well, I don't struggle with depression, so why do you? I don't struggle with this, so why do you? So anything that I share today is not from personal experience. But everything that I'm going to share today is from research that I've done um, uh, throughout this series, and, um, and, and I also mentioned last week, and it, this series is based off of a series done by Craig Groeschel from Life Church, and so uh, I, I want to make sure that I say that every week, and uh, uh, there's a lot of information that I'm going to give to you today that is from that sermon series, because I think that it's so powerful and so helpful um, for us as, as we go forward. So, um, to someone who hasn't experienced depression, like I said, it's very easy to be dismissive. It's easy to be like, cheer up. Stop being so sad. Like, it's, it's not, why, why do you always have to bring the mood down? Like when you walk in, it's just, oh great, here they come. They're just sad. We're gonna have to talk about their problems. We're gonna have, and, and it's easy to be so dismissive and to push it off and to think, why can't they just be happy? Why can't they just be normal? Why can't they just act like everybody else on the the front end? But depression is not just sadness or discouragement. Rather, it's much deeper than that. Depression is a constant darkness, a constant feeling of hopelessness, constant feeling of of no motivation, this feeling of... uh, what what I've been reading this week uh, that stood out to me. Someone who had depression described it this way: it's it's this feeling of having no feeling at all. I was like, ah, this feeling of having no feeling at all. I can't imagine that. Like I don't, I, I can't imagine how difficult that must be for a person to go through, of just having no motivation, no hope, darkness everywhere that you go. And what's really sad is. The church should be the safest place for us to talk about these things, these feelings of darkness and depression, and yet it's often not. So we have to fix that. We have have to change that. Like like we mentioned last week, it's easy for the church to just say, suck it up and and lean on Jesus more. Which yes, of course. We need need to lean on Jesus more. It's easy for the church to come along and say, keep smiling, and keep your feelings to yourself. That's what we want. We want you to walk in here in your Sunday best with a smile on your face and don't bring your problems up because everybody's got them. We don't wanna to have to talk about your problems. I got my own problems. You've got your problems. You. We all got our own problems. So suck it up. Put a smile on your face. Sing these worship songs. Make sure that, that you appear the right way and don't worry about the rest of that stuff and if you just lean on Jesus enough then it'll solve everything and I, I, I wanna make sure I wanna make sure that I'm clear I believe that Jesus can conquer anything in our lives anything and everything I absolutely 100 percent believe that but the problem like we talked about last week is when we have this expectation that okay, now I'm a follower of Jesus, why am I still sad? Why am I still struggling? Why am I still dealing with with addiction? I, I don't get it. And the church, this is where the church falls short. The church then doesn't come alongside people. We like to have our front door open and we say come in, come in, come in, Jesus is great, Jesus is great, Jesus is great. All the while our back door is open. And people walk in our front door, and we think, get saved, and then we leave it there. There's no discipleship, there's no, there's no learning, there's no relationships built, and so people walk in the front door and keep walking right out the back door. We have to make sure, make sure that we don't just stop at salvation. but Rather, we are doing life together. That's what it means to be the church. That's what it means to be Christians. We're doing life together. We're supporting one another. So we wanna make sure that we, that we understand that depression is a very complex issue. It doesn't discriminate people. It's not, it's not a one-size-fits-all when it comes to depression. It's not like, okay, you have depression? This is what it looks like for everybody who has depression. It's in all different forms, all different ways that mental health can, 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 can appear differently. So in order to fight against depression, we have to understand some of the root causes of depression. And again, I'm not a professional. That This is not like a clinical thing that I'm giving. I want to make sure I, that you know that I am not a doctor, okay? But here are four things that are essentially the root cause of depression. Number one is this, biological. So this could be a chemical imbalance in our brains. This could be, chronic pain that you have in your life that is then causing you to not be able to do the things that you want to do. Maybe you have back issues that is just crippling, that, that, that causes you to stay stuck in bed, to stay at home. And it's these chronic biological issues that you have. Maybe you have a, a nutritional deficiency that is, that is causing some issues in your life. Maybe you have hormonal changes. Maybe you just had a baby and now you're postpartum and now your body's all out of whack and you don't know exactly what, who, who you are and maybe you don't even recognize who you are. Maybe there's a lack of sleep, a lack of exercise, a lack of sunlight. All of these things can be biological issues that can cause us to go down this road of depression. So that's number one. The second thing is this, relational. This is another root cause for depression, our relationships. In other words, people are difficult we fight. Sometimes people say things that we don't like. Sometimes I say things that people don't like. Sometimes we get in arguments with one another, but it goes even deeper than that. Maybe you're dealing with some form of betrayal in your life. Somebody that you trusted, somebody that, that you felt like loves you or loved you, and now all of a sudden you feel like they don't. Maybe, maybe you're, you're having an issue with a family member. Maybe you're going through some sort of divorce or maybe maybe your family is going through divorce. Maybe you yourself are going through divorce. Maybe there's a pandemic that causes us to stay inside for a year. Maybe there's isolation that happens, right? All of these things that are relational issues that causes us to either not have relationships or deal with relationships that are painful. And you know this. You know that when you have relationship issues, And this isn't just marriage or dating relationship. Any relationship issues, it can affect you tremendously. So first is biological. Second is relational. The third thing is circumstantial. So this could be death or loss in your life, trauma that you've dealt with uh, maybe in your childhood or as an adult, financial issues. Maybe you're struggling just every week. You're like, we're just scraping to get by and you feel like you're not providing for your family and it's causing you to go in down this, this downward spin. And maybe, maybe you recently retired and now you aren't really sure of who you are. Maybe your identity was wrapped up in your vocation and now all of a sudden you've retired from that and you're like, well now what do I do? I don't, I don't really feel like I have as much of a, of a purpose. Maybe you're uh, an empty nester. And, and your identity was wrapped up in your children and now your children are all gone out of the house and you still see them, but it's not the same. And, and if your identity was wrapped up in that, then all of a sudden that's gone and you're like, well, what do I do? So these are all different circumstances that can cause us to fall into depression at times. Biological, relational, circumstantial, and then the fourth one is spiritual. There is a spiritual aspect to our mental health that we cannot ignore. Cannot. Every moment of every day, there is a spiritual battle that is going on. It's the, this is the truth. And it's things that we don't necessarily see. It's things that, that, that are not happening right directly in front of us. Or maybe they are, but we just don't, don't recognize them. But there is a very real spiritual battle against the forces of darkness that want to steal from you that want to kill things in your life that want to destroy everything that matters to God and everything that should matter to us that is a real thing and we cannot dismiss it and when we have spiritual things going on in our life that causes us to to be confused or frustrated or angry it puts us in a situation where now we think why am I dealing with this if I if I'm a Christian if I say I follow Jesus, why am I dealing with these spiritual issues in my life? So, remember, I'm not a licensed counselor, I'm not a doctor, I'm just a pastor. And I, while acknowledging how complex of an issue this is, my focus today is coming from a spiritual perspective. That's, that's the focus. But it, obviously, we're touching on everything, and, and, and it's important to recognize that it's not like I'm going to stand up here today and be like, okay, here we go, let's solve depression in our world, right? We're all figuring this out. This is fluid. This is moving. There are so many different things that, that are happening. So I want to acknowledge how complex it is. But we're going to look at a guy in the Bible who's very depressed, very, 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 very depressed, Jeremiah. He was a prophet of God, and we, we mentioned him last week. Uh, but... Uh, how the question that a lot of us could have is how can a man who is speaking on behalf of God be so depressed I mean he's a prophet speaking to the to the nation of Israel speaking on behalf of God and he's struggling with depression he's struggling with sad thoughts I mean it, it's very confusing sometimes if we don't have a proper understanding of mental health. So we're going to look at a chapter in Lamentations chapter 3, and I'm going to have to pull up my Bible here because I was going to read it off of the screen and now I can't do that. Um, so give me, give me just a second. In Lamentations 3, we need some context from where uh, Jeremiah is coming from, okay? Here we go. Got it. Alright, uh, at this time in the Old Testament, Solomon, who's, who's the son of David, he built the temple of God. And this was a huge achievement for the nation of Israel. I mean, this was, this was massive. It, it stood for about 400 years. And when he built it, uh, when Solomon built the nation of Israel, built it, I mean, the, the nation had just celebrated it. This is now the home where God is, where we could celebrate who he is. Uh, it's, it's very, very, very important in the Old Testament. Eventually, after 400 years or so, it was destroyed by the Babylonians in 587 B.C., so this is what is known as the exile. We talked about this a few months ago um, in, in our uh, series on Ezra. And uh, this, is, this is where the exile happens. The Babylonians come in, they defeat the Israelites, and they destroy the temple. It's tragic. So Jeremiah, he witnesses this destruction. But it wasn't just the temple. It wasn't just the building being destroyed. But he also witnessed family members, friends, people that he knew, being murdered in front of his very own eyes. That's what he witnessed. He witnessed people being taken captive away. So because of this, he's in a state of shock, and he's dealing with depression. I mean, he witnessed awful things that a person should never witness in their lives. It's an unfortunate reality of life at times. But this is what he witnessed. So he's struggling with some, with some difficult things. So Jeremiah's words in Lamentations are an accurate description of what someone who struggles with depression may feel. So we're going to jump around j- just a little bit in Lamentations 3. Let me read verses 1 through 2, and then we're going to go down to verse 5. It says this, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Already, I mean, this is, this is dark. Down in verse 5. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Then down in verse 17. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. My soul is downcast within me. This is a a heavy passage. This isn't really a feel-good passage. And um, I know that we're talking about depression, my intention is not to depress you this morning, okay? Just so you know, my my intention is to do the opposite. Um, But this this is heavy stuff. It's heartbreaking to read. He's dealing with circumstantial depression and also spiritual depression. Jeremiah in this passage is broken, absolutely broken. He momentarily has no hope. And unfortunately, some of us can relate. And if you can relate to Jeremiah, there are two things that I want you to remember. Okay? Here's the first thing that, that I want you to remember. If, you, if Hearing that, you're like, yeah, I get it. I, I relate to that. I'm struggling with a lot of the same stuff. Here's the two things I want you to remember. The first thing is this. Your emotions are valid, but they're not permanent. Your, your, your feelings, your emotions, everything that you're going through is valid. And they are important. They, they are an important part of our healing. But some of us have been told to ignore your feelings, ignore your emotions. And it's, it's, it's a lie. It's okay to feel what you feel. I don't know if, if when you were being brought up, if your parents or, or we got different generations and different, different experiences, different backgrounds, different. Uh, all, everything is different for everybody. I don't know what you were told growing up or as an adult. But some of us I know have been told, hey, just because you feel it, just ignore it. Your feelings are not valid here. If they're, not, they're not accurate because sometimes our feelings and our emotions are not an accurate um, uh, description of what's going on in our lives. That's very true. And so we've been told because they may be not accurate that they are not valid. Maybe you get in a fight with somebody and you interpret what somebody else did different than the way that they meant to show you what they were doing maybe maybe somebody said something and they didn't mean it the way that you received it and they would say well I didn't mean it that way but it doesn't change the feelings that you're dealing with it doesn't change the emotions that you're dealing with and just because somebody didn't mean something a certain way it doesn't mean that that you receive it the way that they meant for you to receive it That make sense you with me your feelings and your emotions are valid and we need to recognize them but we also need to understand that they don't last forever it even often helps to name our feelings to to call them out by name it helps sometimes to be like I am feeling this and I don't even know why I know I shouldn't feel this way but I do I'm just angry at my spouse and I don't even know why they didn't do anything specifically Maybe they've done something over 20 years, but like they didn't do anything in this very moment, and I'm just so angry at them right now, and I can't, I don't even know why, but I need to recognize that I have this feeling and this emotion. Sometimes naming our our emotion opens the door to changing our emotions. If we recognize them, maybe you're angry, you're mad at the world, you feel betrayed, you feel numb, whatever it may be. Name it, recognize it, because when we bring it out into the light, it now gives us the opportunity to change those emotions, to change those feelings. God gave you your emotions. They are valid. Don't let anybody tell you that your emotions are not valid. They're yours. They're very valid. But recognize it for what it is. It's not permanent. And because our emotions are temporary, we should not be making permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. I don't know if you heard that. Do not make permanent decisions based off of a temporary feeling. And that can go into all different categories. Maybe you were cheated on again, and you just say, all men are this. Maybe you got in a fight with your wife and you say, all women are this. Maybe maybe you're so frustrated with, with your church experience that you then say, all churches are this. And we write them off and we make permanent decisions based off of temporary feelings, temporary emotions. When you feel afraid, when you feel unworthy, when you feel like quitting, when you feel like turning to your addiction, when you feel like... You, the world, will be better off without you here. Recognize that your emotions, while valid, are temporary. Do not make a permanent decision based off of a temporary feeling. Don't do it. Slow down. Call it for what it is. Recognize it for what it is. See That what you're feeling is real, but it's not forever. It's not. And the worst thing, the worst thing, is when somebody gets to that place and they think it's better if I'm not here. And we we all know people in our lives, I think that everybody in this room know somebody somewhere who we've lost to suicide. And I think it's one of the most heartbreaking things that this world has. And as a person who doesn't struggle from depression personally, the thought of somebody being that hurt and broken and feeling that hopeless, that they feel like they can't go on, I can't fathom. It is terrible, and there's no way around it. And I'm not naive enough to think that nobody in this room struggles with this. Suicide is a real thing. And while I don't have all the answers, I don't know if somebody in this room right now needs to hear that you are loved, and that you are cared for, and that you are wanted. If you need to hear that, please hear it. What you're struggling with is valid. It's not forever. Don't make a permanent decision. Jeremiah where he's at is feels hopeless. Don't be ruled by it. The second thing to remember, if you can relate, your situation feels hopeless. But with God, there is always hope. Always. Always. It, even when I feel like it right now, you may not believe it right now, you may not trust it right now, but I'm telling you, with God, there is always hope. Let's look back at Jeremiah in Lamentations 3. And in verse 20, where we ended, he said, While I remember them, my soul is downcast within me. But then in verse 21 to 23, very next verse, while my soul is downcast within me, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Because of of God's great love, we are not consumed. Not consumed. Because of God's great love, we have hope. And the Hebrew word here for love is hesed, which is difficult to translate, but it's used 248 times in the Bible. 248 different times. An accurate translation in this passage would be this, for love, The unbreakable devotion to God's promises. The unbreakable devotion to God's promises. Or the covenantal commitment to God's character. And this is on behalf of who God is. So what this is saying is, God has devoted himself to you. And his devotion to you is unbreakable. On his end. On his end. On our end, it's different. Because we have a choice. You can choose to accept the love that God is offering, or you can choose to not accept it. But in God's, on God's end, the love that Jeremiah is talking about is described as the unbreakable devotion to God's promises. Everything that God is, everything is committed to his people. Everything. To you and to me. Everything. God's entire character is committed to people committed to love, committed to compassion, committed to salvation. And the love that we talk about in God is it's unlike anything else that this world has ever seen. I say this all the time, I say this constantly. I can't say it enough. It is unlike anything that this world has to offer. And then the Hebrew word for compassion here in this passage, when it says compassion, is, is rahama, which is the same root word for a mother's womb, compassion. Do you know why? Because in the womb is a safe place. You're safe in the womb. It's where life begins, and it is nourished, and it is strengthened, and it is protected. That's the compassion that God offers to us. I mean, I promise you, you will not find this anywhere else in the world. The love that God offers, the compassion that God offers, you will not find it. You may be tricked into thinking that something else has this to offer. It doesn't. If God is not in it, it is not the same love and compassion. It goes beyond all understanding. It goes beyond everything that we know. God's compassion, it never fails. They are new every morning. God gives you daily bread, daily grace, daily compassion, daily goodness, daily hope. Everything that we need, God provides. So Jeremiah, dealing with depression, feeling like all hope is lost, did not allow his temporary emotions to make a permanent decision. Instead, he put his arms up and he said, I call this to mind. I am reminding myself that this is who God is and this is where hope is found. So if you're here today, And you're saying to yourself, I don't have a whole lot of hope. I'm working a dead-end job. My spouse left me. Or I never found somebody. Nobody really cares for me. I don't really have close relationships in my life. Maybe somebody close to you recently died. Maybe you just feel like you're not worth a whole lot. Remind yourself of this. With God. There is hope. Always. Always. Call out your emotions. Name them. Bring them into the light. And then you'll realize how much of a fraud it is. When our emotions tell us things that are contradicting what God tells us, it's a lie. But you're feeling it. So recognize it. If you just ignore it, then it will continue to grow. It'll continue to, to, to build up in your life, and you'll be like, oh, I just can't get rid of this, I can't get rid of this. Let me just push it down further and further and further. And it's not the healthy way to go about it. The healthy way to go about it is to bring it out in the open and say, I'm struggling. Is anybody else? I need help. Can somebody help? I, 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 can somebody come along here? Because what, when, when you keep it in the dark, what happens is you think you're the only one who's dealing with this, and you're simply not. You're awesome, but you're not that unique. You're not. We all deal with the same stuff in different ways. In different ways. And this isn't to minimize what's going on in your life. But if you keep it in the dark and you tell yourself that you're the only one dealing with this, then it's only going to grow. It's only going to get worse. But the minute that you bring it up and you say, hey, I'm kind of of hurting here to other people, And then what happens is, other people say, you too? I'm hurting too. You deal with that, I deal with this. And we realize that all the while, you've been comparing other people's highlight reels to your behind the scenes. You're you're looking at what everybody else is putting out in the open and you know what you do when nobody's around. You know what you're thinking that you don't tell anybody. You know what you're dealing with that you just keep to yourself and you're comparing that garbage to what everybody else puts up that's fake. That's just all fluff to make you think that they're doing great. And people are doing great. But we compare these things and, we, and it makes us feel worse about ourselves. And We hold on to this garbage and we think, what is wrong with me? Don't let it spiral. Don't let it send you down. Name it call it for what it is, and then support each other. And this is where the church comes in. You and I, not, not, not just I, not just my staff, you and I have a responsibility to pick each other up. You and I have a responsibility to love one another. I can't do this on my own. I need you to do this with me. And if somebody comes along and says, hey, I need to just talk to somebody. You better take the time. You may say, I'm so busy. There's nothing more important than loving on people who need to be loved on. There's nothing more important. Now, I'm not saying that that you have to just drop everything immediately in every situation, but make time. Fit it in. It's worth it. It is so worth it. So I'm gonna challenge you. If somebody comes to you and says, I need help, support. I you may say, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I told you that. I'm not a licensed counselor. That's okay. You don't need to be, to love. And then there are times where we do need professional help. We talked about that last week. If you do need professional help, find professional help. If you're, if you're here right now, if you're watching online and you're like, I need professional help and I don't know where to start, please talk to me. I will find you professional help. I've done this for many, many, many people in our church. I've done this for myself. So if you need help, and either you're embarrassed, one, you shouldn't be, but maybe you're embarrassed, or two, you just don't know where to start. You just don't know where to go. It starts by talking to somebody. That's where it starts. And it starts by reminding ourselves, like Jeremiah, who God is, what his character is, and how it Changes everything. Don't forget it. So I'm going to invite the worship team up as we, as we get ready to close here. I pray that you don't deal with some of these things. I really do. But the reality is we live in a fallen, broken world. We are fallen, broken people. We deal with problems. We deal with mental health issues, we deal with all of these things. So because we do, we have to go to the source that provides help and hope. So wherever you're at today, if you're struggling, if you're not, praise God. If you're hurting, if you're not, praise God. If you need to be reminded of the goodness of God, pray pray. If you need to be reminded of who he is and what he's done, it starts right here. And if you want to come up here and pray, please feel free to come up here and pray. If you want to pray at your seat, if you need to talk to somebody because you need help, I'll be up here in the front. Pastor Nicole is up here in the front. You can nudge your neighbor, whether you know him or not. I'm giving you permission to say, hey, would you just pray with me? Do it. A church that supports one another is a church that is reflecting who Jesus is. So that's what we're gonna do. Don't be embarrassed. Don't think that people are gonna think differently about you. Rather, what happens is people relate to you better. They say, oh, you're not this perfect specimen of a human being. Oh, you do have problems like I have problems. We do have things in common. It breaks down walls. So be intentional, okay? Let's stand and let's sing.